Take your Bibles, please, and open them to Genesis chapter 39. We just need uh, four verses to get started. Genesis chapter 39, verses 20 through 23. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with him and showed mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison, and whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. Now, I want to share with you a message about under these circumstances. Under these circumstances. We as Christians in America can be somewhat very disillusioned about what's going on. Very discouraged. In fact, there's a passage in, uh, uh, in uh, Psalms that describes that Joseph's feet were put in fetters, but his soul was in iron. Now think about it. His feet were put in fetters, but his soul was in iron. Where was he captive? Physically or emotionally? He was captive emotionally. He had gone through a whole series of things of being sold into slavery and betrayed and lied about and now he was thrown into prison and God had already revealed to him in his heart that he was going to save his family, he was going to save the nation and that he was going to be great. And here he was, the one that God had promised to be victorious was tucked into this inner prison and the Bible says his soul was in iron. He was emotionally, spiritually captured and defeated. And sometimes I think we as the church feel that way. Just want to throw our hands up. Just kind of want to give up. Uh, just kind of uh, meet in a little holy circle and uh, kind of keep our mouth shut. I thought that, uh, I was reading in the article the other day about the uh, overturning Proposition 8 and so forth and uh, all what the preachers had to say, I thought that was very interesting. Most of them need to read their Bible. But uh, in, the one I agreed with was, was the most was Jewish rabbi Harry Denzinger. And Harry Denzinger said that the nation looks at laws in a civil, uh, social way. So they just kind of adopt the laws to society. The Bible doesn't change. We don't change. So the nation can do what the nation does, but as believers, we simply stand by the Word of God and, our, and, and, and we operate our churches as God's Holy Spirit directs. Now, we may face the consequences for that someday. You understand? We may face some serious consequences. But the Bible doesn't change. Society changes. Law kind of fits society. It kind of goes with society. Always has. 
But the Bible and our practice of the Word of God never changes. And so we can feel discouraged. We can feel like we've been bound. We can feel like that, that emotionally and spiritually we're just absolutely in bondage. But I'm going to tell you something. The Bible said about Joseph, and they're just two pieces of verses tied together I want you to get. Just two pieces of verse that I want you Look at the end of verse uh, 20. The end of verse 20, and it says... And he was there in the prison. That ain't good. But read the first line of the next verse, verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. Now listen to me carefully. Any place is okay with Jesus with you. Any place will be okay if Jesus is with you. And that's exactly what this is saying. Read how close this is. There he was in the prison. Had it ended right there, that's a bad story. You understand? But he didn't end there. There he was in the prison, but with him was the Lord. Hey, dudes. Jesus ain't gone nowhere. His throne hadn't been shaken. The word hadn't changed. Heaven's still there. So we've got choices to make. As believers, we can just kind of be defeated and just go and be there. Just kind of trudge on through, I guess. Thank God Jesus is coming or I'm going to die one day or fall off the end of this stage. But you understand what I'm saying? Or we can choose... To be children of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in uh, Galatians that if we walk in the Spirit, uh, we'll have the light and life of the Spirit. It goes on to say that the fruit of that Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, Jesus in us, Jesus with us, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. As believers, we have a choice. We can choose love. We can choose love. Just what occasion justifies hatred? What injustice warrants bitterness? We belong to God. We have a choice. And the choice is we can choose to love. We can choose to rise above it all. One of the things that Grant really, you know, I tried to move love away from emotion. Because the Bible commands a man to love his wife, commands a wife to love her husband, and it doesn't really talk about the circumstances. You just do it. But you can't separate love from emotion. And sometimes, I I mean love is the best feeling there is. And sometimes it's the worst feeling there is. You understand? 
but you still choose love. So even if love is painful, even if it's breaking your heart, even if it's causing you all kinds of grief, you choose love anyway. Because the opposite is what? Hatred and bitterness. Now tell me how you and I win with a spirit of hatred and bitterness. How are we going to come out on that? You're not. You're not. You'll suffer for it and one you hate and one you're bitter against doesn't feel it. You're dying and they don't even feel it. Now promise, how good is that? How does it work? Choose love. You can choose joy. Joy is not necessarily happiness. Happiness has to do with what's happening. And there are things happen to us that I don't like. There are things happen to us that hurt. There are things that happen to us that are disappointing. But I can choose to know that God's on the throne. He loves me. There's nothing He's not letting me go through that's not for my best interest. His glory. Boy, sometimes that's so hard for me. I was thinking about, and I preached not too long ago on the man born blind. You know that Jesus came along and, and uh, put the spittle on his eyes and he went and got healed. And I don't know how old this guy was, but I just gave him an age of 30. And he went 30 years blind. Hey, that ain't good. He went 30 years blind. And the disciples asked why this man was blind. Did he do something or did his parents do something? Why is this man blind? You know what Jesus said? For the glory of God. For the glory of God. I hope that old boy was in on that, don't you? I know he was. But you understand, you spend, you give 30 years of your life to blindness just so Jesus can come by one day and heal you and God get some glory? What are you willing to put up with for God to get a little glory out of your life? What are you willing to tolerate for God to get glory out of your life? Choose joy. Choose peace. Forgive. Live forgiven. Forgive yourself. Live forgiven. Jesus forgave you. I don't know what you're holding yourself hostage about, but when you get to heaven, he'll never ask you about it. It's gone. Somebody might remind you of it every day. You may pay a consequence every single day, but you're forgiven, and when you get to heaven, you'll never be asked about it because it's under the blood of Jesus Christ. You're forgiven. And the Bible says just as God has forgiven us, we're to forgive others. Choose peace. Choose patience. Had my test yesterday. You know men in Walmart line? Had my test yesterday. This time it was at Dollar General. Fired up the gas grill, getting ready to cook. Went back out in about two minutes. He is cold. <laughs> yep. 
So I grabbed my bottle and I run down to the Dollar General store. New kid at the register, didn't have a clue. Call for the manager, no response. Call for the manager, no response. Five minutes. Y'all know for me, that's about three hours. <laughs> this guy shows up. I said, well, he's got to unlock that thing. I won't jump him till he gets through. Because <laughs> I don't want to not get my gas, you know. So I got my gas, and I said, okay, Jesus. And I put it in the car and left. Proud of me, aren't you, huh? I did good. Medicine was working good yesterday. <laughs> Patience ain't one of my things. <laughs> but what good was it going to do? What was I going to accomplish? And certainly, what would Jesus get out of it? Huh? What would Jesus get out of it? Choose kindness. Grant and I were together the other day and we passed one of those guys sitting on the side of the road. Poor, unemployed, homeless. And uh, so we drove past. I said, Grant, how'd you feel about that? I don't know. <laughs> I said, man, I don't either. I don't either. I guess, man, had you rather give somebody a dollar than them in be in need for a dollar and you not do it? I don't know the answer to that mess. And there are those that will flat tell you, go up and try to get one, I'm going to go to work. And they'll tell you, this is my job. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know what the answer to all that is, but I can tell you this, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Be sensitive to the Holy I hope in January that we're going to be able to start a food ministry here that will be absolutely uh, phenomenal. There is a group uh, all across the United States called uh, Gen 1, generation, one generation away. And it's talking about bringing together races. It's talking about bringing together uh, different people groups. But one of their big outreaches is feeding. And uh, they, you, you work with the food bank, you work with MIFA, you work, and one, one day a month, we will absolutely fill this room with food and set up tables and all of us will come and other churches will come and help us and we will uh, join and pack these boxes and and then they're pre-screened and, and the food will be distributed based on the, the pre-screening and, and so forth and the other. And I don't know that the ministry it will be worth anything except wouldn't you like to be known in Memphis as a church that feeds people? Just the church that feeds people. We've been known for clothing exchange. And that was a business we ran. Sold I'd just rather be known for the church that feeds people. Okay? That's a good thing to be known for. Helping people, loving people, being kind. Are there people that are going to take advantage? Absolutely. Are there hungry people that are going to get food? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay? You take the good with the bad. You do with the Lord. You choose kindness. You choose goodness. 
That's really honesty. You just choose to be a, a person that doesn't get in this lie thieving and stealing. You choose faithfulness to your family, to your employer, to, to your employer. Are they going to show faithfulness to you? Probably not. But you show faithfulness. It's what Christians do. It's what we're supposed to do. You show gentleness. You self-control. You see, Joseph made a choice. He could have been bitter. He could have been angry. He could have done whatever else all those human emotions would have afforded him. His soul was an iron, remember? He was absolutely in bondage emotionally, spiritually, and mentally. He was at the end of his rope, but he made a choice. And the choice was to walk with his Lord even under the circumstances. Now, quickly, and we'll move on. Uh, a couple other things. Wherever you are, make yourself productive. Whatever's going on, make yourself productive. He began to serve. He began to serve the master of the prison. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 9 and 10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. You ever heard him old guy say, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing well? <laughs> Jim Cole helped me rewire my barn. You know my barn burned down? Jim Cole helped me rewire my barn. Look, all I wanted to do is get electricity from A to B. No, Jim's going to run the wire straight and flat. All I did all day was hand him a screwdriver and a hammer. It ain't exactly the way I do it. <laughs> I just kind of ran over there. And Jim was either going to leave <laughs> or do it the right way. <laughs> so whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, 28, let him who stole, steal no longer. Rather, let him labor, working with his hands what's good, that he may have something to give him who's in Need. You don't only work for yourself, you work to be able to help somebody else. One of the things the church did, I wonder if we could ever do this. The early church fasted one day a week. And the food that they were going to use for themselves and their family that day, they gave to the poor. Now it was literal food for them, you know like potatoes and, and rice and so forth because they didn't have like a money system like we did. They literally fasted one day. What if we sacrifice one day for missions? One day to give to the needy? One day? That would speak volumes, wouldn't it? Of what we were willing to commit to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Probably wouldn't hurt me, would you? Go a whole day without eating. Man, you figure it up. That's 52 days in a whole year. You divide that by meals, that's 150 meals I'd skip. That'd probably help me a whole lot if I skipped 150 meals, wouldn't it? You know? And uh, so would we be willing to do such a thing? Second Thessalonians 3, 11 and 12. For we hear there are some who walk among you in disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. 
Now these are such and command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in, in quietness and eat their own bread. It doesn't mean they're selfish in eating their own bread. Just don't be stealing somebody else's, taking advantage of somebody else. Eat your own. We have a society that's kind of believing they do a handout. So what? The Bible didn't change. Huh? Because somebody else thinks they deserve a handout, how does that affect me as a believer? Go get in line or go to work? Go to work. Do the best I can do. Isn't that what the Scripture says? The Scripture says that we are to be productive wherever we are. Believers, if we don't go out there and turn the light bulb on, who's going to? Who's going to counter the philosophy that the world is living under? Who's going to stand for something different if we don't? <clears throat> and we're going to get us a placard and stand on the street corner and blow a horn. Nobody cares about that. What they care about is seeing it lived out in the believer's life. And finally, minister where you are. Minister where you are. The Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. You know what? We've got this idea. If all my job is is to t do just some little few things, it doesn't matter whether I do it or not. Doesn't matter whether I put my heart in it or not. It's, it's not that big a deal. It is to God. Because for God, it's a test and a proving ground for you to see whether you are worthy to step on up to higher spiritual responsibilities. And if you don't care about that little stuff and it doesn't mean anything to you to do those things well, be faithful in little ministry. You'll never have big ministry. God will not do it. God will not do it. Luke 16.10 He is faithful in what is least. He is faithful also in much. He that is faithful in least is also going to be faithful in much. Have you found that to be true? Go find a guy who's honest with pennies and you can trust him with thousands. Go find a guy who's honest with pennies and you can trust him with thousands. You know why? There's kind of an old adage that says this. You will be what you were. You will be what you were. You get about 25 years old, unless you have a radical change with Jesus Christ, a radical experience with Jesus Christ, more than likely your personality is set, your habits are set, you're, 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 you are what you are, and guess what? You will be what you were. Now, a radical encounter with Jesus Christ knocks that off the block. Thank God. Thank God. You understand? But if you don't learn to be faithful in the least... You'll never, ever be faithful in that which is big. And Revelation 2 and 26 says, He who overcomes 
and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. Hey, God's going to win. That's over. It's settled. God's going to win. Right now, Satan's temptation to the church is to get inside these four walls and dwindle to where it's nothing. Don't have an influence. Don't, don't reach out. Don't do anything outside. Well, you might get embarrassed. Somebody might talk about you. Somebody might tell you, mind your own business, to shut up. I've been told by a lot of folks, shut up. That started in the first grade. I like to go back. Most of my teachers are dead, though. <laughs> but I used to like to go back to my high school reunion and say, nanny, nanny, poo-poo. Now I make a living talking. <laughs> you used to try and tell me, shut up the whole time. <laughs> but look, people who are salesmen know one thing. You're going to hear no. And if you're not willing to hear no, you'll never hear yes. And you're going to hear more no's than yes. But you eat off the yeses. You, and so what does no mean? You're talking to the wrong person move on <laughs> you're talking to the wrong person and when we're out in the world and we're we're having a, an influence for Jesus Christ you're going to have some folks get rude about it tell you to shut up leave them alone be nice you just talking to somebody the Holy Spirit hadn't got ripe yet move on there are people out there who Holy Spirit has ripe they're waiting a visual, loving message from Christ. And most often, it's lived out, not talked out. Most often, it's lived out. Then it can be talked out. But if you're not living it, they ain't interested in what you got to say. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Joseph was to be a leader and he was in prison and the Bible said his soul was in iron his soul was in iron but he made a choice and he made a choice to choose you to be productive where he was and to minister where he was in the situation under the circumstances that he was in, he chose you, he chose to be productive, and he chose to minister where you'd put him. God, would you do that in my heart? No matter how discouraged it could get, no matter how upset you could, you could uh, become, choose Jesus. Choose the fruit of Christ in your life. Roll up your sleeves. Do whatever you can do. Love, serve, minister where God put you. 
And I thank you, sweet Jesus, for the peace of Christ in our life. There might be some here today who are just really confused. They're not even sure where they are with Jesus. And all this anti-Christian movement is just about to get to them. But today, if you need to know Christ and choose Him as your Lord and Savior, hey, it's not words, it's not a religious act. The Bible says it's faith. Faith is internal. Faith is believing. Faith is a commitment to Jesus Christ where it says, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I, I know you've come to save us. Your spirit will live in us and give us uh, not only eternal life, but a rich life now. And I trust and accept you right now. I don't know what all that entails. I just know I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me and take my life. Come into my life. Others are going to renew. They're Christian, but they're going to renew that spirit of commitment today. I don't know that it's rededication. I don't know that it's renewal. I don't know that it's surrender. I don't know what you'd call it. But they're just brought to the point today where they're ready to turn it over to the Lord Christ. Lord, have your walk, have your way, have your will in each of our lives as we worship together these few minutes. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.